For several decades now, Rudy Giuliani has been making big headlines as a top official in Ronald Reagan's Justice Department, as the crusading, mob-busting, corruption-fighting U.S. attorney in Manhattan, and of course as the mayor of New York City, America's mayor as he came to be known in the fraught days after September 11th. But this week, Giuliani is facing headlines of a very different kind. His license to practice law in New York was suspended after a court found what it called uncontroverted evidence that he presented demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts in support of his client, Donald Trump's false claims about last November's election. It was a stunning decision, not just for what it said about Giuliani, but what it concluded about the lies still being spread by the former president and his allies. We'll talk to one of the lawyers who drafted the complaint that led to this decision and explore what it means for Giuliani, Trump, and the future of American democracy on this episode of Skullduggery. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. 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 I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. And I am Victoria Bassetti, a fellow at the Brennan Center for Justice. So this decision from the appellate division of the New York State Courts is pretty uh, striking on so many levels. It concludes that Rudy Giuliani, this sort of, you know, well-known national figure, a guy who ran for president, who was on the cover of news magazines, who was hailed as a hero, both for his days as a prosecutor and as mayor, was, in their words, threatening the public interest. Yeah, the opinion says he is an immediate threat to the public and that there is evidence of continuing misconduct. It's stunning. Yeah, what's so stunning is that he, he, you know, the court put uh, their money where their mouth is because uh, they concluded that it's too dangerous to let him continue to practice law in New York. And so they suspended him throughout the process that, you know, the disbarment process that's still going on. They suspended him before they even had a hearing on the issue. Yeah, because they regard him as a clear and present uh, danger uh, to the Republic. And I think they're trying to send a message, a very strong message, that uh, this kind of conduct is uh, completely intolerable. Okay, so Victoria, as uh, the one actual certified lawyer who is a host of Skullduggery, um, let's like just talk about what this means, because it seems to me, you know, look, not in any way to defend one word of what Rudy Giuliani has said about the election, but, you know, frivolous complaints and motions get filed in courthouses every day filled with all sorts of claims that are never supported and often get tossed out. But it's pretty rare to have the lawyer who files them have his or her license suspended. And I just wonder, you know, does this open the door to, you know, actions and suspensions and disciplinary reviews that could go well beyond this one case? So 
Mike, first of all, I would I would contest your contention that frivolous lawsuits are filed in courts every day. Um, now, wait and, a second. And frivolous I, and baseless. Somebody I agree lawsuits. with Victoria. I covered the courts for years and years, and there were disciplinary actions against lawyers who occasionally did this kind of thing. Look, there's a line between aggressive advocacy and fraud and deceit. <laughs> Right. And no, this I'm, is, I'm not disputing that what but let's let's not debate the entire judicial Let's not debate the entire judicial system right now. Let's talk about Giuliani. So the decision that came down today meticulously goes through nine incidents of lies or efforts to mislead and deceive the court and the public with Giuliani acting as a lawyer. They are nine specific, very specific lies or misrepresentations that he made that Mm -hmm. go from Arizona to Georgia to Pennsylvania that were repeated, that the court goes through in detail exactly what he said, what the alleged basis for his statement was, and how it was false and violated the rules of professional conduct for a lawyer who is barred in the state of New York. This is not an isolated incident of Giuliani misspeaking in a court one day. This was a pervasive pattern of behavior And it's one that the court indicates in its decision that he is continuing to engage in. So didn't like Republican state attorneys general file motions in support of the same big lie? They went to the Supreme Court. And some of them them are under investigation investigation by their bars right now. Yeah, Yeah, in Texas, the attorney general in Texas. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, when we start going down a road where bar committees are going going to start, you know, investigating and reviewing the the status of elected attorneys general, that's going to get pretty ugly and messy, you know, for a number of reasons that go beyond the specifics here of the claims about the big lie. There's there's nothing messy about bars investigating attorneys general or, or lawyers in private practice if those attorneys general or lawyers in private practice are egregiously violating rules of professional conduct. That's what bars are there for. What's more frightening, Mike, should be if bars decline to investigate attorney elected attorneys general and prominent public attorneys because they're afraid of politics. Then you've got bar associations and courts basically saying there are no standards if you're if you're public and if you're well known and 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 the longer and right. Go ahead and get elected and feel free to lie and abuse the mm-hmm. the the office that you were elected to. We won't have if you don't to cut do. them off at the knees, then, you know, it's going to be all the more harder, uh, right. you know, five years from now to deal with this sort of thing. I think this is really about sending a strong message that, you know, you cannot undermine the legitimacy of the courts with this kind of conduct. I don't disagree. We're, um, we're beating up on you, but, Mike. But, no, no, no. <laughs> so look. much fun, Victoria. Fair, you know, fair <laughs> enough. Have at it. Uh, uh, all I am saying here is, 
yes, the courts, the, the New York state court system made a clear statement today and, and, and a very forceful one. The question is whether that message will get through to anybody who doesn't already accept the fact that everything Rudy Giuliani was doing during the uh, post-election period was, was completely fraudulent. You know, in our polarized, stratified American political system right now, uh, you know, I'm not sure that it will. Yeah, you're right. That message probably won't get through to a lot of people out there who see all of this, you know, through their partisan uh, lens. But it will get through to lawyers who you make their living you know, going to court and litigating cases if they think they could get disbarred uh, for this kind of conduct. And we know that there are a lot of those kind of lawyers out there. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering um, about Sidney that Powell guy. Linwood. Yeah, right. But I'm wondering about that guy, Jeffrey Clark, who was head of the civil division in the Justice Department in those last weeks of the Trump era, who was trying to uh, get the Justice Department to back you know, what Trump was doing, challenging the election. You know, there's a guy who could come into investigation for the same uh, for the same reasons. There's no telling. I, I do think the evidence is indicating that a lot of those people aren't having much success getting jobs in the wake of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. uh, so that might be that might be step one in terms of well, uh, consequ- consequences for their behavior. Yeah. And the obvious question that I think uh, we should leave uh, to another podcast so that we can keep talking about Rudy Giuliani is what happened to him, the spectacular uh, right. fall from grace. And, you know, there's a debate out there about whether Rudy has really changed all that much or if the seeds of this kind of behavior have been there from the beginning. And, you know, lest we forget, by the way, getting disbarred um, or having his license as it as it happens being suspended for right now may end up being one of the least of his worries in 2021. Yeah, he is under He's, investigation he, by his former office. He right? is under yeah. criminal investigation right now. And, and uh, he's, you know, he's facing his work, but, but, but you're right. It's the, the, what led to this, you know, is he just, is he just, you know, constitutionally so addicted to the attention that he's w- willing to do anything in order to grab that attention, to be in the spotlight, to feel like he's a person of power and influence, is that what was going on? Was it was m- money? Did he, it was he was he in it for the money? Some combination of those things. Right. Uh, we yeah. could do. Uh, Don't underestimate shows. the money. Hey, very yeah. quickly, just one thing worth mentioning before we get to our guest, Speaker Pelosi announced today that the House, on its own, will go forward creating a select committee to investigate the events of January 6th. That's something that a lot of people uh, will certainly so welcome. The question fighting is... Fighting a congressional subpoena next up for well, Rudy Giuliani. let's see, though, yeah. what does... what The, the yeah. first step is, what does Kevin McCarthy do? Does he appoint members to... Republican members to this select committee, and if he does, who will they be? Will they be the Adam Kinzingers and Liz Cheney's of the world, or will they be um, Jim jo- the, the Jim yeah, Jordan Jim Jordan's? Jordan's I, I, I'll bet on the, where la- my money the ladder. Is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, except we can probably exclude Matt Gates. I don't think <laughs> or, and, he's Liz, get and Liz named. Cheney. Yeah, right. and Liz Cheney. Marjorie, yeah. and Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah. I think <laughs> now, those three, I'll bet, will not be on it. Anyway, a um, lot to talk about with Christine Chung. So let's. Get to it.
We now have with us Christine Chung, a former prosecutor in the Southern District of New York, the same office that Rudy Giuliani headed as U.S. attorney many years ago, and she helped draft the letter from the Lawyers Defending American Democracy group that led to this uh, remarkable decision by the New York State Courts Appellate Division today. So, Christine, welcome to Skullduggery. Thanks, Mike. I'm happy to be here. And you must be feeling pretty good seeing this uh, decision about a process you helped put in motion. It's a result that we asked for, which is that he be suspended even while he was being further investigated uh, by the court system uh, for ethics violations. So I'm, I'm very pleased at the result. But I, I would also say it's a result that I believe others asked for in addition to LDAD. We made a public complaint um, we know of others, and there probably were many others. So it's a victory for all lawyers who want to police their profession. So one question I want to drill down on, because I looked at the decision, and one thing that leapt out at me is the complaint you filed said that he didn't just make false and misleading statements about the 2020 election. He made knowingly false and misleading statements about the election. So just explain how you know, and the court agreed, that these statements about fraud that Rudy Giuliani made all over the place after the election were knowingly false statements. Well, one part of the answer is that we know that Rudy Giuliani knows what a false statement is. <laughs> he used to prosecute people for making false statements and for lying and for misrepresenting themselves. Two is there's never been any basis for what he was saying. There was never any grounding for saying that million, tens of millions of votes were, were miscounted or that there was fraud behind them. He, he alleged a massive fraud enough to change the election. Even he didn't have the proof of that. So the other thing is, as it went on, as the administration, the then administration said that it was the cleanest election in history, as court after court ruled after him, if you didn't know it at the beginning, you knew as you went that what you were saying was false. So, you know, another gratifying aspect of the decision is they say that even though it's sort of an open question whether in New York the law requires a knowing lie, they find that there should be that requirement, a higher requirement, and that the requirement is met here. But look, as a former federal prosecutor, you know, if you're going to prove a knowingly false statement, which is perjury, you have to get inside the guy's head. You have to have some evidence that he knew what he was saying was false. And here, yes, I get the point that nothing supported what Rudy Giuliani was saying. No evidence was coming forward. But how do you get inside his head and make a determination that he knew what he was saying was wrong? You get inside people's head to prove fraud every single day of the week. It happens every day in courts. And this court said, just to give one of their examples, you were saying that there was a big enough, that you, that you were alleging fraud, say in the Pennsylvania case. And then when you were really pressed, you admitted you weren't alleging fraud. Okay, 180 degrees. So they did a very good job of, in my view, of breaking down to a number of statements and saying, as to these statements, these were the knowing falsehoods. And that's what you need to do. One, another really, I think, wonderful aspect of this is how fact-based the decision is. It really is 
a diligent examination of what was said and a picking out of the examples and the places where Rudy Giuliani did make intentional lies. Christine, let's step back for a second. Just how big a deal is this? How important is this decision? We know Giuliani himself is a pretty big name, but how often does the the New York court do things like this? You know, I'm not an ethics expert, but I would guess that if you looked for decisions in which lawyers were temporarily suspended from practicing law, they would tend to be much more small bore things, like where there's rock solid proof that a client was stealing from his attorney and continued to do so. Because there has to be incontrovertible proof and it has to be an ongoing threat to the public. So in terms of the, the, the consequentialness of it, listen, like everything else in this instance, the, the context and the consequences are, are potentially really important. I mean, you're talking about somebody who, you know, there are other investigations that are being talked about. You know, the majority of Republicans still believe that there was no big lie, that it wasn't a lie at all, that the election was stolen. So where the rep- rep- repercussions go is, you know, that's part of why it was so important to us to make the complaint in the first place. Christine, I have two questions. One's a kind of a process question and then a kind of a a bigger picture question. The process question is, he has now been suspended and and cannot practice law in in New York, but he has not been disbarred yet. Is that typical that you'd be suspended and then disbarred later after there's been a hearing and you've been been allowed to, to tell your side of the story? Or is this an extraordinary case because the court concluded that he's a clear and present danger to the republic. That's actually that's actually the bigger picture question that I was going to get at. But you can take the first part of it, and then we can get the sec- to the second part. Yeah, the answer is the latter. It's, yeah. it's unusual. Yeah. Just because the standard is so high. And you when think we- they did that because of the second thing that I was talking about, which is they they talked about him, you know, these attacks on the public, that he's, in a, he's a, an immediate threat to the public. The country is being torn apart by these continued attacks. Is that uh, why you think the court felt uh, that it had to actually suspend him even before he was disbarred? Yeah, we may be saying the same thing. I'll put a slightly different angle on it. I mean, I would unpack it a little bit to this. One, the lie he told, the ethical violation that he engaged in is probably the most important consequential one that you could engage in. (laughs) This is not lying about, you know, something your client is, or this is saying that the election was stolen, a presidential election was stolen. And then two, I think if you remember back in time, even after January 6th, even after Biden was declared president, Rudy Giuliani continued to disseminate the big lie. He continued to lie about things like Dominion. He continued to maintain that the right president wasn't sitting in the chair. And that has now become the basis for all these voter suppression efforts. So something that even we didn't know at the time that we filed our complaint, which is that the big lie would continue to live on, that, at least in my view, is the clear and present danger. They have a slightly different take on it, but I think overall they're right. He did not stop saying what he was saying, even today. (laughs) Even today, Daniel and, and Mike, I mean, he's saying, He's saying, this is evidence that I live in an authoritarian regime. We should be very clear on who is promoting an authoritarian regime. 
Yeah, and uh, it, just among the particulars that the court analyzed was uh, Giuliani makes the claim that in one of the court filings and uh, that uh, in Pennsylvania, more absentee ballots were returned than were mailed out. He claimed 2.5 million were returned. Only 1.8 million had been mailed out. In fact, over 3 million had been mailed out. That was available information on the Pennsylvania Secretary of State's website. And uh, I guess in his defense, uh, Giuliani claimed, well, that's what a member of my team told me. So I guess his defense would be, I was just relying on what somebody told me. I guess uh, you would argue, and the court concluded that that's not good enough if you're a lawyer making statements. No, yeah, Mike, it's a little different than that. What they say, especially in footnote four, is they gave him the opportunity to prove up his assertions, and he failed to do it. So it's not that this is what he would say or would be doing. He had the opportunity to do it, and he didn't come up with the proof. Where is that person who told him that? Yeah, there's putting, no affidavit yeah, from yeah, that person saying, yeah. I, in fact, told yeah, Rudy yeah. Giuliani this. Right. So he yeah. can say anything he wants. The court gave him his chance to come up with the goods and put his money where his mouth is. And he was unable to do it, even with his livelihood on the line. In fact, one of the themes running through the court's decision, it seems is that Giuliani didn't take this complaint against him seriously. He didn't provide the facts. He didn't raise a really serious defense to it. Is that is that your assessment of of what the court is saying? It's a possibility. But Victoria, it also could be the simplest explanation, which is he doesn't have the proof. He just doesn't have the proof, you know, and, and that's been sort of the way that it's gone. I mean, from day to day in the way that this has happened, he's fallen back and fallen back on explanations And what happens in court is you get every chance that you can to get your own lawyers and put in your proof, and he just didn't do it. So this is such an uh, uh, ignominious end uh, or development in a for a career that has been very long and over the years, you know, quite prominent and uh, even distinguished at times. You were a uh, AUSA in the Southern District of New of New York, the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office that uh, Giuliani headed. Did you? overlap with him, number one, and just number two, you just your own thoughts about having such a, uh, a prominent figure, uh, you know, a guy who made big headlines when he was running your old office, having to face uh, something like this. Yeah, I, I never overlap with Rudy. I was an intern in the U.S. Attorney's Office when he was the U.S. Attorney, but by the time I became came an AUSA, he was no longer the U.S. Attorney. You know, I I definitely agree that there are tragic and sort of sad aspects of this. Um, But I also think that he knows what he's doing. And he has, among other things, as the Dominion complaint, which is also mentioned in the in the court decision, lays out, you know, he's kind of making these lies to remain relevant and remain important and continue to be influential. But in doing that, he's departed from the truth. And, and no lawyer has the prerogative to do that. So many lawyers, you know, what the value of what we were doing is saying as a profession, this is not our standard. And many lawyers who thought about representing Mr. Trump stepped back because that was a line they would not cross. And I think Rudy is totally capable of making those decisions. 
And he's still making very calculated ones that he wants to, you know, however, the, 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 I think it turned out he, he did say that, yes, I was asking for $20,000 a day. He appears on his radio show and is selling products. He remains in the news. And, you know, those are very real incentives that I think that he does um, feel in engaging in this misconduct. Christine, this uh, decision, of course, only applies to New York State, but presumably uh, Rudy Giuliani is a member of bars in many other jurisdictions around the country, including Washington, D.C., in Pennsylvania, and and a bunch of other places. Um, Is your group going to pursue complaints elsewhere as well? So LDAD now, I'm not affiliated with them anymore, but they they had filed even before the complaint against Rudy, they had filed a complaint against Bill Barr in D.C., I actually am not sure that Rudy Giuliani is a member of so many other bars. I've heard that he's a member of the DC bar, but beyond that, mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not that sure. And the question would be a legal one. Some bars have reciprocity. So that if he got yeah. barred in one place, he would be barred in a different place. So I'm not sure what those consequences are. What's the complaint against Bill Barr about? It has a number of dimensions. I think I'm, I would refer you to it because it's a little, it's, it's, I'm not sure that I didn't work on that. So I don't have the most easy yeah. access to or, or recollection of what's in it. But there, the very interesting angle there is we recently learned or LDAD recently learned, it became public that LDAD received a response from the DC bar saying, oh, we don't, we often receive complaints about political figures and we don't get involved in that. And also your information is not firsthand. So we're not gonna investigate Bill Barr based on your information. Among other things, the Bill Barr complaint did have to do with the Mueller, the Mueller investigation and whether he misrepresented in his summary what was, what was the, the conclusion of the, of the Mueller investigation, the Mueller report. And you may know that there have recently been a couple of court decisions cri- criticizing Bill Barr very heavily for what was done in that episode. So those are some of the big. The Garland Justice Department seems to be defending the withholding of the document that the court criticized. So this is not just about Bill Barr. It's about the position of Merrick Garland's Justice Department. Well, Merrick Garland's position is one thing, but I don't think that they're saying that. I I don't think that they're going so far as to approve everything that was that that LDAD complained about in their complaint about Bill Barr. Let's put it that way the way that the the report was summarized in particular. So in in DC, what you have in juxtaposition is the New York grievance system and court system gearing up really to consider this quite expeditiously and seriously, as is apparent from the face of the decision. And then you have the DC bar basically saying, you know, we're gonna immunize anything that's political in our view without regard to whether or not it was truth telling. And that should be really disturbing to people. Among other things, it means that uniform standards are not going to be enforced uniformly. So LDAD is engaged now, um, or members of LDAD, together with other prominent lawyers, including four four former leaders of the D.C. bar, in pushing back. They've written back to the D.C. grievance apparatus and said, this is not acceptable. If you have a blanket rule that you're not going to get involved in political figures or political situations, and you're requiring firsthand knowledge, which is nowhere in your rules, and by the way, we were all firsthand witnesses to that, then you're not doing your jobs properly. 
So, Christine, uh, Rudy Giuliani wasn't the only lawyer representing uh, Donald Trump. You know, you also have lawyers like Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood who were involved and who, you know, who said as many outlandish things and made, you know, false representations as well. Are they going to face these kinds of complaints as well? Is your is the organization going to file complaints against them? Well, there's a range of things going on in different places. For example, in Michigan, a federal judge has ordered, I think, everything, including hearing into why frivolous claims were made there in election litigation. That was a motion that was brought by, if I remember it right, the state and the locality who are the victims of, of, of this, these false election claims. You've got lawyers who, on their own initiative, are opposing what are called pro hoc vice motions. So if you have a license in one state and you go to practice in another one, you have to make a special motion to be admitted. And there are ordinary citizen lawyers who are intervening in those cases to say, Mr. X lawyer engaged in this misconduct and he should not be admitted in this sister state to practice law. You've got law students who like at Drexel who moved to revoke Rudy Giuliani's honorary degree. So Paxton is facing disciplinary sanctions in Texas. So ALDA as an organization was a bit of a tip of the spear and will continue to work in this area. But I think the other thing that is that as, you know, kind of as we felt, it might seem like it's a long shot or it's hopeless, but it is gratifying to see lawyers step up and make efforts to bring accountability when fellow lawyers step over lines. Because when you when you filed this letter earlier this year, people told you it was it was hopeless, didn't they? They said, don't don't do it. It'll never go anywhere. Right. Well, specifically, they said that asking for this temporary suspension, the interim suspension was really, really a long shot because that is such it's a really high standard. There has to be incontrovertible proof of a violation and the ongoing threat to safety that we discussed um, to the public interest. So we felt it was absolutely the right thing to ask for based on the facts. But in terms of precedence or what people were predicting that the bar committee or the court would take up, yeah, I think that the people will tell you who know this field that it's a pretty big surprise. Presumably, you, you know, your broader mission here is not just to go after Rudy Giuliani or the lawyers who represented Donald Trump, but to sort of use the court system in a way to, you know, put, you know, the stake through the heart of the big lie propagated by Donald Trump. So put in that context, you know, how significant is this? And are there other actions and other ways you can help accomplish what I assume to be the broader goal here? Yeah, I think there's sort of two broader goals. One is definitely the one that you mentioned, Mike, which is, you know, where can you act strategically to, to cut the knees from people or actors who maybe important architects and orchestrators. Here, Rudy was Trump's national campaign litigation coordinator. So that kind of thing is important. But two, I think it's very important, even if we had never gotten court relief, for lawyers to say this is not what lawyers do is incredibly important. Because when, when Rudy and Trump went to the courts to try to get to, to, to contest the results of the election, they're actually using the legitimacy of the court system to imbue their own false claims with some sort of imprimatur or legitimacy. And that's completely inappropriate. 
This is an effort, it seems to me, maybe more important uh, than the one that Mike referred to, to um, uphold the legitimacy of the judicial system. I mean, it's it's the yes. last, it's one of the last institutions that has not been eroded in the last few years. It, it, exactly. And and listen, I come at it, I, my own background on rule of law is from, from genocide and war crimes, okay? So when Rudy talks about authoritarianism, the, one, the reason that something like Nazism takes hold is that when the state failed, lawyers didn't step up to say, we won't become your, your puppet regime in Czechoslovakia or, or you know, or Poland. And doctors didn't step up and say, we're not gonna experiment on people for no reason. And business people didn't step up and say, we're not gonna put people into our ovens, okay? So when the state starts failing, the professions are the next safety net to say, this is not acceptable. And it's, it's fun to make lawyers jokes, but most lawyers go around observing their ethical obligations. And the public needs to know that lawyers are saying this is not appropriate conduct. It's, it's incredibly inappropriate, consequential conduct. Christine, what's next in this process? Well, I think that the, the broader mission is sort of rule of law and accountability. And there was a time when people were thinking, well, maybe after the election, all of this becomes unnecessary. That's clearly not true. <laughs> so I think the work goes on on many fronts. I mean, for LDAD, the big issue is mobilizing lawyers to speak up as lawyers and as a profession against things that we see that we think are wrong and that are anti-democratic. And I think there are a ton of great organizations, including the Brennan Center, <laughs> who are doing so much work now on that. But I think in broad terms, you know, when people ask, what is the organization going to do next? And I, I think I was asked that at least four times on this call. My answer is, what are what is everyone doing next? You know, that that's what we're trying to do is to get people to understand that, you know, we're non LDAT is a nonpartisan organization, but standing by only leads to one result. And so you have to get active in some way. And if what we did mobilizes others, if it infuses energy into efforts like the congressional investigation. Which was just announced there's going to be yes. a select committee yeah. today into yeah. the events of January But 6th. any right. any lawyer, any citizen can file an ethics complaint. Clients complain about their lawyers all the time. So, you know, it's kind of like you can look to us because we'll try to be leaders. And that's what the aspiration of LDAD certainly is. But also look in the mirror and think about what you can do. That, that, that's at least the, the, the mission of, of the LDAD organization. Well, on that note, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. You know, your letter was viewed, as you pointed out, as a long shot when you wrote it back in January. So um, I suppose it must always feel good to have a long shot pay off uh, <laughs> in a in a in a big way like uh, like this did. It's so. it's a shared it's a shared victory. <laughs> Many others, I'm sure, wrote in, and we know of a New York State Bar Association effort as well. They they filed a very comprehensive complaint the day after ours. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you guys. 